This episode of Country Squire Radio is brought to you by Missouri Meerschaum. We thank them for supporting this show, and we thank you for supporting them. You're listening to Country Squire Radio. Welcome to Country Squire Radio. I'm Bo. And I'm John David. JD! Hey, Bo. Good afternoon, man. Man, good afternoon to you too, sir. And I noticed that you are here this week. I, I I am. That means our um our our, our little bundle hasn't uh the, the stork hasn't uh hasn't visited visited our neighborhood yet. <laughs> right, right. We really should have done the uh the pool. We should have started getting some sort of like like you know birth pool yeah. type situation where people have different weeks and that sort of thing. Somebody, Mark, get on that. Somebody needs to. I know, right? That. The the birth pool. Yeah, that that. Yeah. <laughs> That's I'm thinking. I'm man. thinking not next week, but the next. That's what I'm feeling. I think, uh, I, or at least sometime between those two episodes. That's so. My, my range is narrowing here. I, I was thinking, okay, our baby's probably going to be a week late, but like I, um, I, I'm, I'm thinking now I, I'm thinking probably three to five days late. That's kind of where I'm, that's kind of where I'm, th- I'm, our due date is a week from today. It's uh, next Monday. And so, um, yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, I think we're going to be a little late, but hopefully not, uh, not so much that Nina is just, you know, ready to, uh, you know, I don't know, pull her eyeballs out. <laughs> <laughs> man, it's uh it's a process. Yeah. And uh man, yeah. even even of course once the baby gets here, it's uh it's a whole thing. But I got I gotta tell you this, man, this is this happened this morning, you know, I, I'm able to walk my, my oldest to school because yeah. uh, you know, they go they go to school right down the the way here. And uh, as we were walking, we were talking about, you know, I was mentioning, you know, I really love Houston. And, and she was saying she missed Jackson, but she loves Houston. And Good. I said, I know you miss your friends. And she's like, well, I know you miss your friends too. It's like, well, I know you miss John David. And I was like, oh, you know what? I do miss John David. <laughs> <laughs> but, but she also was sitting there trying to think of other friends. I was like, I have other friends besides John David. And she couldn't <laughs> think of anybody else. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. I have other friends besides John David. He's just the only one I miss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, well, they, that, they hear your name more than hilarious. anybody else from Jackson because of the podcast. Yeah, no, that's right. That's anyway. right. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad your precious, uh, precious little crew has uh, he remembers me and misses me and um, thinks of me fondly and knows that knows that Daddy loves me. So that's good. Man, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, hey, you know what? I know we were looking forward to hopefully seeing each other this year in Texas. So unfortunately, we won't be there with everything going on. But the yeah. Texas Pipe Show is coming up quick. So uh, Thursday the tenth. Yeah. That's uh, why that's tomorrow. No, that's, that's September 10th is tomorrow as we record this, but no, October, <laughs> uh, October the 10th through the 12th. Be sure that y'all are there at pop safari room, uh, in the Dallas Fort Worth area for the Texas pipe show. Tell them country square radio sent you. Uh, and yeah, uh, with, with next year, with less children on the way, uh, God willing, and also potentially even, uh, some high speed rail between Houston and Dallas, maybe, uh, <laughs> don't we'll hold your breath. Bo. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. Obviously, I uh, highly encourage you to, to visit the Texas pipe show and, uh, man, just a great, um, uh, great group of folks there. And, and also a really, uh, good opportunity for folks from all over the country to come together, uh, there in the great Lone Star state. So, uh, look forward to, look forward to hearing all about it. Yeah, we got a great show this week that we're going to be talking to you guys about, but I want to go ahead and give you a heads up. Next week, this is a great suggestion that was sent in by Pastor Joda. Uh, We are going to be doing a Pirates and Pipe Tobacco. You know, I've been teasing out for a while. I really want to do an episode dedicated to Captain Kidd, uh, a new... New York-based pirate and uh, and someone who is um, uh, uh, on trial for piracy and whether or not he was a pirate. We will kind of unpack that in that that okay. episode, and it'll be a, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, this one is actually going to be taking place on the week of Talk Like a Pirate Day. So shout out to Pastor <laughs> Joda for pointing that out and uh, oh, that's and, uh, really kind of teeing it up. So assuming John David that you're actually here next week, uh that'll be that'll be a blast. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I may I may have to tap out, you know, any day uh we could um, you know, the balloon could pop. So <laughs> we'll see uh, you know, what the time frame uh brings, but man, regardless, I'm really looking forward to that episode. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I I'll have a lot to learn, so be good. Well, the great thing, of course, is uh, that uh, next week's episode, this week's episode, all episodes that you listen to are made possible by our amazing Country Squire Radio International Club members, of which we now have a new one. Now, if you're not already a member, be sure to head over to patreon.com slash Radio, where you can join up to the Country Squire Radio International Pipe Club. And joining this week at the Squire level, John Catron. Catron. John Catron. (laughs) Or Catron, actually. Catron would be... Or could, could, uh, yeah, it may be Catron. Could, I could, like Catron. I bet it's Catron. I bet it's Catron. 
Catron feels like it'd be like if he was a transformer and Catron would be like if he's drunk or maybe he's a drunk transformer. <laughs> Poor John. I kind of like it. <laughs> I think we I think we've uh, baptized <laughs> baptized him enough. Yeah, man, uh, John, thank you so much joining uh, the Country Squire Radio International Pipe Club and of course uh, joining at the Squire level, man, right out of the gate. So we're we're so thankful and um, and just just really grateful for that. So yeah, check out the website. We'd love to have uh, love to have you join us as well if you uh, if you haven't already. That's right. Again, that's patreon.com slash country squire radio. All right, man, we've got an awesome show. I, I want to share yeah. something with you, and, and this is totally self-indulgent, but I'm, so I'm going to do it <laughs> really quick. I've been teasing up online on Twitter that I've, I've been working on a new project, and um, I, and some folks were like, are you going to share it on the podcast? Are you going to share it on the podcast? And so I just, since there was a little request from some in the community to share this thing that I <laughs> have been kind of was working the per- on. Was the person that asked that, was it like... Uh, was her initials they may have been like from Portland. Mrs. York, like or something? No, 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 no. no. There's been a couple of folks. I've been, okay, I've been good. teasing some stuff, no, that's and good. and you know, it just is what it is. But anyway, I'll I'll share this kind of quick. Yeah, so I've, no, that's I've great. Working, I've been working on something, man. I uh, for the last couple of years, um, I've I've actually uh, I've done something that a dyslexic should never do, and that is I've started writing. Uh, wow. I actually wrote. Yeah, I actually I wrote a play. Um, I, it's, it's not just any kind of play. It's actually an immersive play. Uh, people in, on here have talked, heard me talk about my experience at, uh, sleep no more in New York yeah. and just kind of the amazing immersive experience. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so I kind of, I wrote, I've, I've been working for the last uh, few years on kind of this concept and I finally finished it about two months ago, which coincided with, uh, some folks reaching out about wanting to uh, support the creation of an immersive theater company, uh, financially. So, um, we, uh, we, we've got a small team, uh, that have uh, been working and we've got actually got a proof of concept show that will, uh, tentatively be actually rolling out this November. So very, Dude, very quickly, man, that's great. Uh, yeah. That's so funny. Of course, you know, I, I love when this kind of thing happens cause it, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. And of course, we I know, I know. I keep with, on needing to tell you. <laughs> yeah. We, I, I get to share that with our whole, you know, greater country squire radio family. And, uh, man, that's, that's cool, dude. I mean, I, you know, you've got all the creative juices flowing and, uh, man, I'm, I'm proud of you, dude. I, I mean, I, um, you know, immersive. Well, it'll probably bomb, but, <laughs> but I, no, I mean, Hey, that's, that's great. What, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the, well, I, I don't know the old axiom, you know, that it's the road is littered with, you know, like <laughs> you know, failed projects or whatever. <laughs> right, but, right. <laughs> man, no, that's great, dude. I'm uh yeah, it, it's a miracle that Country Squire Radio hadn't uh, wound up. This on is that, this on is the road. one. This is the one that continues. <laughs> Thank you. Again, yeah. patreon.com slash country squire. I know, Radio. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but dude, I'm proud of you. That's great, man. I think uh man, I, I know that's probably a, a fun fun project for you. So please please keep us posted on it. I want to. Yeah, I want to we'll know do. what the play is about. I mean, I don't guess you can reveal uh, yeah. that yet, huh? I'll. I'll just say this. It's. It's kind of a. Uh, uh, this is kind of the. The. The quick pitch <laughs> is that it's. It's. It's almost like a. It's a cross between kind of Sleep No More and Westworld. For those that are familiar with that, uh, I know you're going to say uh, something about pirates. <laughs> no, Westworld is cowboys, man. Okay. Westworld is cowboys. Okay, cool. In fact, we'll actually have a cowboy themed episode coming up because I've been in like in just dark country uh western <laughs> noir territory and, and a lot of kind of the inspiration for what we're going for with it but there'll be more information as we get closer okay. right now we actually just posted the casting call this morning good uh so that was kind of a big big milestone but anyway if y'all are interested in kind of keeping up with it I'm, I'm more than happy to keep you posted but we definitely don't want to take away from the pipe talk and man we have got some pipe talk this week yeah. uh, specifically pipe tobacco and you know this is great john david because uh, you know, I mentioned Sleep No More, which is actually uh, a take on the Scottish play. You, you know the Scottish play? Uh, the Scottish play? The Scottish play. I don't think I know what you're talking about. You don't know? I can't say the name. I'm an actor and the world is my stage and it's very, very superstitious if you say this word on stage. What are you talking about? Okay. All right. Fine. 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 <laughs> all right. I'm, let, me, let, me, let me knock on some wood here. Okay. Talk about Macbeth, man. The Scottish oh, play. Macbeth. Okay. Yeah. No, that's good. Now, that's good. Now, now, see, here's the deal. Back in the day, back in my theater days in high school, I refused <laughs> to say that word. To this day, I still do not like saying this word. And I'm a little miffed that you didn't know what I was talking about. You made me <laughs> say the word on the stage of the Internet. But here's the deal. Back then, I was so superstitious, I came up with this idea. I'm just going to always call it Mickey B. Well, we're going to be talking on this episode, not about Mickey B, but about Mackie B. How about Mackie that for B. a transition? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's so so perfectly lame. It's 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 perfect perfect for country squire radio. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's right, man. But yeah, man. we're talking about a an institution in the pipe tobacco world. Dude, Mac Barron. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the the uh, the Mickey B that you do want to talk about that that you are not <laughs> that's right. that you should not be afraid to mention. And uh, man, yeah, you know it's funny. I, I as you know, kind of preparing uh, over the next uh, you know several episodes, thinking about content. Uh, I've I've found myself recently smoking more and more Mac Barron tobaccos, and, and I thought to myself, mm. well, you know, we haven't really done a deep dive into that you know brand. We've talked about some of their tobaccos. Uh, you know, either in Squire Selects or Tobacco Talks or, you know, just around the periphery. They have so many uh, of the world's favorite tobaccos. And, you know, we've we've talked, discussed those individually. But, um, you know, we've never really talked about them as a pipe tobacco uh, company and, and and just the history and the uh, the richness that's there. And, um, you know, I, and so I was just thinking about that. I was like, man, I smoke and consume a lot of their products, which means I believe in them, right? I personally love them and believe in them. And, um, and, and, and also as a professional, as a retailer, um, I know, you know, how good their company is to deal with, um, you know, American, uh, you know, tobacconists. And, uh, you know, they're one of the, one of the real, uh, you know, supporters of uh, brick and mortar, uh, you know, grassroots uh, pipe tobacco community and all that stuff. And so I was like, man, we need to talk about Mac Barron. And, uh, and so, yeah, I was really excited about it today, man. Of course, uh, you know, folks, um, you know, if you can fog up a mirror and you've been in the pipe smoking community for more than uh, a couple months, you are well aware of the name Mac Barron. And um, uh, it's, a, it's a really old company, right? They've been around for a very long time. Mac Barron uh, was founded in 1826. Uh, it is, to this day, it's the largest privately held tobacco company in Scandinavia. And you mentioned, you know, oldest, but like, I always feel like there's kind of two connotations that come with old you know, there's kind of the the old nature of like, well, they're kind of behind the times. They need to kind of catch up. But the reality is, this is this is an establishment, right? Like, yeah. you see, there is a classic nature to Mac Barron in the pillar that they have kind of held in in the industry. Yeah, no, you, you're absolutely right, and a lot of that, Bo, is due to the fact that they have been owned by the exact same family, uh, a very, a really aggressive, innovating, um, you know, just not just good tobacconist family, but also really well business minded family. But the same exact family has owned uh, this business since 1887. And, uh, and, and they're in the fourth generation now of that family, which, uh, which we'll talk about here in a bit. But you know, it's just so cool because that they are, they have developed, uh, you know, this uh, scrappy business model that has become this like, you know, giant company, but it still maintains a real um, connectivity to the premium pipe smoker. They haven't uh, really sold out to the, to the, uh, you know, the greater, um, the greater masses or whatever. And so that's why they have so many fantastic blends and products that, um, you know, are just, are just very, th- they've maintained the quality, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, largest privately held tobacco company in Scandinavia. They, again, privately held, meaning they, you know, they still are owned by the same family. Uh, and, and so that's, uh, you know, pretty cool. Uh, almost 140 blends in just the Mac Baron, uh, lineup. Uh, and then they have s- several other brands that they have kind of purchased throughout the years. Um, they're in over 84 different uh, markets, and so just, you know, all over the world. Um, and, and, you know, today we see their, uh, you know, products uh, everywhere that they've grown. You know, we, we think of, uh, you know, off the bat, their famous, uh, you know, blends like the uh, Mixture Scottish Blend that is one of the best-selling uh, best pipe tobaccos in the world. Uh, at one point, and I think it jockeys around with a couple others, but um, it, it's in and out regularly, I believe, of the uh, the best-selling premium pipe tobacco in the world is a uh, mixture Scottish blend from uh, mm. from Mac Baron. Great tobacco, uh, dark twist roll cake, plum cake, uh, you know, uh, Virginia number one. We think of all these, uh, you know, just really uh, awesome tobaccos that um, you know have have had such a you know key impact on the industry. Um, and so the you know the the history of the company that forged these awesome blends uh, that I'm a big fan of. You know they. Um, it, there's just a lot of innovation that is part of the company's DNA. And so we just wanted to take a little time to unpack that today. So, um, that's good, man. Yeah. You know, a, again, founded in 1826, we're talking small 
time, right? This was a uh, tobacco <laughs> uh, spinning mill, a little, uh, basically a little barn uh, facility that was in the uh, tiny hamlet of Svinborg, Denmark. This is uh, on the Baltic Sea. It's kind of uh, one of these little uh, islets that's there, uh, making up the the, the Danish, um, the, you know archipelago i don't know the exact you know term to call it but they're on the baltic sea uh and um you know it's still this the factory is still located there and and that um you know that climate that environment uh of course denmark obviously known for uh premium tobacco making anyway uh you know just the rich history and tradition that they have in that country of developing uh pipe tobacco but you know, on top of that, this area is just very, uh, very good for uh, this particular type of manufacturing, um, both from a you know developmental standpoint, but also from a distribution standpoint. And so, it was uh, founded as the S. Boniclus Tobacco Tabacks Fabric. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To- there's so much to pick apart with what you just said. Could you restate that again? There, there is, there is, and and, and so my Danish, you know, is very poor. And and, and no, so no, you you try it again. You you try what you just said again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just go ahead and have your fun, Bo. Oh. <laughs> At the S uh, Bonnie Boniclus Tabax Fabric, um, and uh, this this was the name of the small little uh, petite company there. I'm hoping we can move on from this now. Um, Do you think they sold? Like fabrics I, made I, of tobacco? I think they fabricated tobaccos. I think that's what they did. <laughs> but, but they what? may have sold fabrics as well, uh, made from tobaccos and other related products. And so there's uh, a whole new product line here that has not been considered since back in the 18, yada, yada, yada. No, that's right. That's right. Stay tuned for our next podcast on fabric making in uh, tobacco uh, Denmark. Right. So <laughs> there's it, a know, reason why they call it Seer Sucker. That's right. <laughs> Wow. Um, so, yeah, so you've got this uh, real small uh, company and, and this uh, entrepreneur later in the 19th century, 1887, Harold Hallberg, um, he, he saw this mill, this, you know, tobacco kind of spinning factory. And, um, you know, this was, uh, or, you know, someone that was uh, very business minded. He was a, a tobacco connoisseur in his own right. And, um you know, it saw the potential there to create a more modern uh, tobacco trader, kind of taking this, uh, you know, the the bare bones and the story of this small particular, uh, you know, institution and developing it into uh, something much more robust. And so uh, he bought uh, bought the factory and then named it uh, as as a lot of uh, you know dedicated entrepreneurs do. That he named it after himself, and it so it became the uh, Harold Hallberg. Uh, Tabax OG Cigar Fabrique. And uh, that, of course, is American for, or Danish for uh, <laughs> the Harold Hallberg uh, Tobacco and Cigar Manufacturers. And so um, ever since 1887, uh, you know, that that was the uh, name of the company for, for quite some time since then. And, and, and since Harold Hallberg uh, bought this small uh, tobacco mill there in uh, Svinborg, Denmark, um, the, the family has still, like I mentioned earlier, been owned by the exact same, you know, the, the company has been owned by the exact same family uh, for all all those years, and, it, and it's still going on today. And so, um, it, this particular company, Mac Barron, it you know they really kind of epitomize you know what it's like to be in our industry. I mean, these are people that are you know scrappy entrepreneurs. They're just trying to make it work, right? And they've uh, found something they're passionate about. They also have uh, been committed to not sacrificing quality for over 150 years. And and ever since then, you know, it's just uh, it, it's it's you know, developed and they've kept up with the market in some really innovative ways. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just pretty cool. The sons of uh, Harold Hallberg went on to develop uh, the company further and, and create some popular blends. And it's kind of interesting, you know, how uh, these tragedies in uh, the world occasionally will kind of birth these uh, little uh, quirks that wind up being like the silver lining in a dark cloud, right? And so uh, on a trip, uh, Jorgen Hallberg was actually stuck in the United States uh, when World War II broke out. Of course, he was uh, one of, he was the grandson of Harold Hallberg and uh, and kind of the next in line for the company. And so when Jorgen was in the United States, he was like, well, let me not sit on my laurels. I'm over here. How can we develop our business and that kind of thing? And so he was a sponge. He went to all these, um, you know, American tobacco factories and, and, kind of apprenticed with them and was like, well, you know, in America, they take some different leaves than we're used to using in Denmark. And uh, they're flavoring them. They're using different leaves to begin with, and then they're flavoring them in ways that we haven't really experimented with before. And so 
they're also processing them differently by, uh, you know, using some steam and, and pressure. And, um, you know, and so, you know, he was kind of a student of that during those war, war year period, uh, that war year period. And so, um, you know, he was over there just kind of, uh, you know, picking that up and, and was really a sponge in that sense. And so, um, you know, he, he eventually, after World War II, was able to go back to uh, Denmark and um, you know when they're the Europe obviously as a whole was rebuilding and um, and all of that and so you know he brought this uh, incredible knowledge of, of American uh, pipe tobacco growth manufacturing uh, different types of leaves that maybe you know weren't as popular on the European market uh, and that type of thing he brought that back to uh, to Denmark and and really you know because of that was able to uh, give birth to the golden age of uh, really Danish tobacco and, and and also certainly their company uh, Jorgen had learned uh, a lot about flavoring Burleys um, that that was very popular in the United States you had these kind of everyman blends obviously that were popping up um, you know uh, blends that were just uh, you know burly. Uh, heavy blends, lots of flavoring, um, you know, black Cavendish uh, made out of those, uh, you know, Green River Valley uh, Burleys. The, um, you know, the, the company already had a lot of expertise, uh, Mac Barron did, it, or the, the company that was to become Mac Barron did, in sourcing these tobaccos. Um, but, you know, it, it, it didn't, and it also had a lot of exposure to the European market, so it had some things that, you know, the American tobacco manufacturers didn't necessarily have. But, um, you know, they, they were able to start incorporating some of these interesting things that the Americans were doing uh, to make their own kind of unique, uh, you know, evolution in tobacco. And so, um, you know, they began heating some of their tobaccos, pressing them uh, to bringing out kind of those, um, you know, natural... Uh, sweeter flavors, some more, um, you know, just intensity of the of the natural sugar uh, became to shine, and so, um, you know, introducing some very delicate flavoring into some of their uh, tobaccos, um, you know, using some some burley uh, in the mixture that um, you know made the leaf a little the the tobacco a little stronger, a little uh, maybe a little softer on the tongue, uh, kind of helped with uh, things like room note and things of that things of that nature. And, um, and so really, you know, this was the kind of the genesis of, um, you know, an, an evolution in uh, Danish tobacco processing. It was kind of, kind of fascinating. Did they patent it or would that have even been kind of in the mindset? I don't think that was in the mindset, but what they did is they saw this as an opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, bust out in the market with, uh, with something very special. And so uh, the tobacco, the company, again, is still at this point called uh, the Harold Hallberg uh, Tobacco Factory. But in the 1950s, uh, after they'd kind of, you know, refined some of these processes that they learned and picked up uh, on this side of the pond, they they debuted their line of tobacco, uh, which is now synonymous with the with the entire company's name. And that, that line, of oh. course, is the MacBaron line of tobaccos. Um, and, and I'm actually not sure where that came from, that name MacBaron. I would really like to know uh is there like some kind of uh you know tie-in with like maybe a, a scottish or an irish uh connection there i'd, I'd love if someone has information on that I'd, I'd love to know but um but the MacBaron line of tobaccos came out there in the 1950s and and again you you think about what's happening here we've got a a very old uh you know this we're in the 50s but this is a at this point over a hundred year old company uh, in the 1950s. And so they've got their own long tradition of, um, you know, spinning this whole leaf tobacco, uh, lots of uh, natural flavorings at this point in, in the continent. Folks were smoking much more Latakia, Virginia's, um, you know, not as focused on the flavoring components. And so they're taking some of this older uh, manufacturing style and, and, and obviously their ability to source tobacco from all over the world because they're a leader in this, but they're starting to incorporate some of these American techniques. And so with the Mac Barron line of tobaccos, um, what you're seeing is a, a focus on flavoring. Uh, but, but instead of flavoring Burleys, they're starting to flavor, they are doing that, but they're also starting to flavor, uh, Virginia's, which is kind of interesting. Virginia's obviously have much more, uh, natural sugar, um, you know, the, the flavor is much more pronounced, um, you know, they, they tend to, um, you know, burn a little differently. And so, uh, they wanted to take this kind of genesis, their expertise in Virginia's, the spinning tobacco, all this stuff, but then also start to incorporate, uh, the best practices from America, flavoring, heating, um, you know, letting things get pressed and things of that nature. And so the subtlety 
legacy of the Danish tradition was kind of married at this point with the American flair, right? And so that was uh, that was kind of nice. And so when this MacBaron line came out, we're talking nineteen uh, fifties into the sixties, um, and and so they just had these best selling lines that came out year after year after year. Uh, nineteen fifty was the uh, Solent mixture. It was uh, their English mixture. Uh, the first in the line of the MacBaron blends that came out, and uh, incredibly popular. We're talking about you know a, a full English, but the goal uh, of of Hallberg was to develop an English blend that uh, had a more agreeable room note, maybe to the pipe smoker's wife. You know, <laughs> uh, we all know those English blends that uh, that we're aware of that uh, you know run your best friends out of the room kind of deal, and and they they were aware of that. They were like, well, how do we take this American? production, you know, processes and, and help the room note with this. And so they uh, developed the solent mixture, which is still available today, 1950, um, uh, 1952 golden blend. It's a, uh, extra, um, in America, it's known as golden extra. This is a, uh, Burley and Virginia mixture with, uh, just a nice, uh, topping on there. It gives a real natural flavor, just, uh, kind of accentuated with a little added sweetness. Uh, 1953, the Stockton blend, uh, 55, uh, Dark Twist Roll Cake of Virginia, uh, Dark Fire Kentucky uh, Roll, which we know it, you, when you open the can, it's these beautiful little medallions in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, in 1958 is, you know, one of their best-selling blends of all time that we mentioned before, and that, of course, is the Scottish blend, the mixture Scottish blend, and, um, you know, it, which is an incredibly uh, complex tobacco. We took, uh, you know, this is kind of a company that is taking all these um you know, things that it's picked up and then also stuff that it's been a pro at for 150 years. And then it's pulling the full weight of its ability to source tobacco from all over the world. Uh, and it's kind of creating its, its, uh, magnum opus, you know? And, and, and so this, <laughs> um, you know, Scottish blend is, is, is what came out in 1958, uh, 35 different leaves from all over the world an incredibly complex tobacco. Um, Technically an aromatic, you know, it's hard for me to call uh, Scottish blend an aromatic tobacco just because it's so lightly cased. It's so lightly topped. I mean, I just, you know... Um, I, I don't know. To me, it's a it's a natural, non-aromatic tobacco that just has a little bit of something on the side to to make it a little more interesting. And, and any tobacco that's got 35 different leaves in it, uh, the recipe, of course, you know, is just so secretly uh, guarded and coveted and all those other things. But um, just an outstanding blend. And followed in 1964 by Latakia Roll Cake, and uh, and then they had a few others come out here and there. But um, that Mer- MacBaron line of tobaccos, it was so popular worldwide because it took the best practices from uh, both Denmark and the United States and uh, and just made this whole new line, which um, just really took the pipe smoking world by storm there mid-century. So, you know, they they desired, you know, to continue to compete. They saw the the opportunity that was there in the American market and, and particularly the American mass market. And so uh, eventually came out with stuff that was more, uh, maybe not quite as premium, but, but still... Uh, what they thought was a, a good tobacco, something that worthy of their name, um, to compete with uh, mass market American tobaccos, more burly uh, based, uh, you know, a, a little more flavoring, and so they came out with the Amphora line. Uh, Amphora tobaccos, of course, are over the counter, and uh, these tobaccos have been available for a while. Uh, original, uh, the full aroma, and the mellow. These are more, you know, you might compare them to like a Sir Walter Raleigh or a, a Prince Albert or something of that nature. So uh, burly based. Uh, you know, relatively, you know, heavy sugar topping, still, still a natural flavor to it. Um, you know, the quality of the leaf might not be the same that you're finding in the MacBaron uh, line of tobaccos, but they wanted something that would kind of compete on that level. Um, again, this is a company that's kind of realizing the, um, you know, it, by this time, the opportunity there on the American market. And, um, and of course, so in 1995, you know, we're still dealing with a company uh, that is called the uh, Harold Hallberg uh, Tobacco Manufacturing Company. And so uh, 1995, uh, Mac Barron, uh, the name Mac Barron, that line of tobaccos that they debuted in the 50s, um, it was it was such a uh, the, the, their company was so synonymous with that and, and with the changing market and, uh, you know, all these things going on in the 90s. They were like, look, let's 
let's call our company Mac Baron, right? <laughs> let's just call it Mac Baron. And so, um, remember, uh, I, I think it was several years ago, Bo, when they, uh, when Apple came out with the iPhone and it was like, it, I think it was like Apple, they were Apple computer Inc. And then they just renamed their company to Apple Inc. Do you remember that? And, and I, I think there was kind of a sense in which, you know, they, they were just going to simplify things and they were like, well, it, it, broadens your brand because for one thing they were moving i mean arguably the iphone is a computer every smartphone essentially is but they were broadening the mindset of the consumer in terms of what their business existed for yeah (laughs) one might even say like naming a uh, a premium uh, pipe tobacco shop the country squire uh (laughs) is a similar type of move yeah no that's 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 a good point actually you know with what mac baron did in 1995 they were kind of doubling down on hey this is you know this is what y'all know us for uh we're gonna go under this name and um and and people recognize that as kind of a gold standard in the in the pipe tobacco business and um and so they ran with it um the the company since then has you know just really continued to innovate. I, I, I love this about Mac Barron because these are, again, this is a family-owned business, which, you know, a lot of folks, when they think of, uh, you know, family-owned business, they think of a uh, crusty, uh, you know, old man sitting in the corner, someone walks in, what do you want, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, just uh, maybe kind of uh, for a business that old, maybe uh, you know, resting on its laurels on maybe what the previous generations did or something. But Mac Barron just has not taken that route. They have stayed for a family-owned business so uh, incredibly uh, aggressive, uh, progressive. They have, uh, you know, always looked for, uh, you know, the best uh, modern practices and the direction the market is going. But but I love what they've done because unlike some some of their competitors, they have um, they've committed to the premium pipe tobacco market. That is still mm. to this day their yep. bread and butter. Um, is the premium pipe tobacco market? Um, you know, when you're talking about a company that, um, you know, they they want front and center uh, their identity to be their best, most high quality blends. Um, you know that that says something to me. You know that that really uh, speaks about what their what their DNA is, and I think they've really uh, really stayed with that. So they've, um, they've planted a pretty a pretty sizable flag. You know what I mean? Like there's a there is a um, roots in the ground kind of nature to uh, where they yeah. are. No, that's I, I think you're exactly right, and that's that's continued on. Uh, the uh, of course we are on the fourth generation of. Uh, the the Hallberg family. Henrik Hallberg is the owner uh, and master blender now. You know, he has developed two lines that have left their own mark. And these are recent developments, more, you know, relatively recent within the past 20 years. But, um, you know, we think about, um, man, a, a, a company that's this historic still staying on its toes and nimble. And uh, so they continued to say, um, you know, well, what, what can we do? And so uh, Hallberg uh, you know, within the past several years has developed a, a couple more that we all know uh, and love now. And of course, that's the Seven Seas blends, uh, which are premium aromatic tobaccos. And then also um, kind of their, uh, you know, their grand uh, reveal of, of really, you know, some of the best tobaccos uh, quality wise that they've made in their company's entire history. Uh, and that, of course, is the HH line of tobaccos, which, you know, at the Squire, we're proud to sell, you know, the entire line. We love the HH tobaccos. But, um, you know, Henrik Hallberg, you know, he developed these things, uh, you know, thinking, okay, well, how do we continue to uh, leverage our incredible expertise, but also connections and infrastructure with, you know, uh, getting these awesome products out there uh, to compete with, um, you know, some of the, the other best makers in the world. And so the Seven Seas Tobaccos came out. What they were doing, they saw what Lane was doing with these aromatic tobaccos, particularly com- Captain Black. And they wanted to fill a gap kind of between that Captain Black um you know, tobacco smoker, and maybe your and maybe your pr- more premium tobacco smoker. Something you know, someone that's uh, smoking the more uh, artisan, small batch, more expensive tinned tobacco. They wanted to fill that gap. Kind of, how do we take the folks that are smoking uh, over the counter tobaccos and give them a taste, maybe of these uh, these tinned tobaccos, and um, and and maybe also take the tinned tobacco smokers and and introduce them to some uh, you know traditional flavors uh, that that are so loved on the American market, and so. Uh, uh, that's where the Seven Seas line.
kind of uh, tobaccos came from. They uh, really did a good job filling that gap. And so there are seven blends, uh, as you can imagine, uh, in the Seven Seas thing. They have a really cool, um, I can't remember if we've featured any on the show or talked about them at length on the show, Bo, but... um, all of them have this kind of cool uh, nautical look. There's typically a, a sailboat on there, and it gives you kind of this, uh, I don't know, British Navy kind of feel or something. It's kind of kind of neat, but um, really good tobaccos, uh, delicious aromatics that are that are very high quality. And so, um, and, and they're also reasonably priced. We're talking about three and a half ounce tins for you know around fifteen dollars. I mean, it's it's a lot of tobacco for the price, and it's a a tinned product. So the smoker who's you know the end consumer is getting something that. Uh, you know, feels nice, looks great on the shelf, and uh, it's just always pleasing to open that that shiny tin, you know, mm. um, which is kind of nice. So the HH blends uh, debuted uh, as well, and of course, this was this was kind of their their way of saying, okay, we you know we have developed over almost 200 years all this incredible uh, expertise and and resources. We're going to bring the entire uh, you know, uh, the, the entire capacity of that to bear on, on a product and we want it to be the best ever. <laughs> and so there, there's what, um, you know, the, the, really the, the Rolls Royce of their, um, their lineup is the HH blends that, uh, have come out. And so the current owner and blender, uh, Henrik Hallberg, initials HH, but also if you go back to the founder or the uh, the original family member that bought the business uh, back in the 1880s, uh, Harold Hallberg, um, you know, HH kind of, uh, you, you sense a pattern here in their, uh, <laughs> their naming, um, but these are the choicest leaves from all over the world uh, that they just do such a good job on um, on blending these particular tobaccos. Some of these tobaccos, I think, actually have leaves in them that are almost as old as we are, Bo. I mean, they, they really have taken uh, some very small batch stuff and, and created some some awesome blends um, they go through seasons of availability because the tobaccos are so premium um, and we're talking about names like Acadian Perique uh, Burley Flake uh, Latakia Flake Pure Virginia which um, I, I've talked about many times on the show it's one of my uh, my personal top you know 10 favorite tobacco really top five it's probably top three I, I smoke it very regularly and then uh, and then of course old dark fired. Uh, which came out uh, relatively recently, you know, in the history of, of tobacco. Old Dark Fired, uh, you know, it's over the past 10 years has been um, probably one of the top five hottest blends on the premium tobacco market. I mean, it has been on fire. And, um, you know, it's it's one of those tobaccos, I, well, I don't know. Again, they are using um, incredibly premium tobacco um, small batch stuff, and they are getting aggressive on, uh, you know, their um, their flavor profile. And so this, you know, Old Dark Fired when it came out, it was uh, kind of seeking to be a a English blend without the Latakia, which is kind of interesting. You're like, well, you know, Latakia is what makes an English blend, but they wanted to use tobaccos that were um, that that retained that smokiness, but without having that oily. Uh, oily Latakia in there, and so they they developed Old Dark Fire. It's, it's a mixture of Dark Fire Kentucky leaf, as you can imagine, with uh, Virginia's, and really that one tobacco, I think, anyway, it's kind of spurred this renaissance in, you know, folks using and smoking uh, Dark Fire Kentucky uh, leaf. You know, Dark Fire Kentucky has been uh, everywhere throughout, you know, decades, but, but you know, this particular tobacco, this one uh, this one blend that they came out with has really uh, reignited. It, it's you know manufactured this renaissance in uh, folks that are using uh, dark fired Kentucky uh, leaf and different blends. And so uh, you know ever since this came out, uh, you know folks have requested more and more blends that feature this particular leaf. And um, and I think that just says a lot to the not just the quality of um, tobacco that they produced in that particular blend, but also how people respect. Uh, Mac Barron and um, and and you know value just kind of their um, you know their their history and their um, parentage of the pipe smoking to or the pipe tobacco community certainly the Danish community and all that so um, anyway just a just a really powerful company uh, that has uh, that has been committed to premium pipe tobacco over the past several years too they have continued to grow they purchased towards the beginning of the time that I got into this profession, uh, they purchased uh, Sutliff tobaccos. And so all our friends at Sutliff, that's actually a Mac Baron company. Uh, and if you're, uh, you know, in the American market, a lot of times you'll see Sutliff and Mac Baron kind of put together on the shelf. Well, that's because Sutliff was 
purchased by Mac Barron, uh, which is kind of cool. And uh, so great partnership there because uh, Sutliff obviously, um, you know, makes awesome, um, you know, aromatic tobaccos and they have a whole bunch of them. Um, and, and then they also, Mac Barron has uh, also um, taken the rights to the, uh, the revered uh, capstan blends. We've got the capstan uh, blue and yellow, which uh, of course were the tobaccos smoked by uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. We've talked about those before. Um, and now they also have the uh, the Bell's Three Nuns uh, tobaccos as well. They manufacture those too. And uh, Three Nuns, of course, um, you know, uh, smoked by uh, one of our uh, favorite uh, heroes of the bowl, that's C.S. Lewis, and uh, you know, kind of his uh, his tobacco of choice, and so um, and and they've picked up some others along the way. But um, man, still a family owned company, still there in Svendborg, um, Denmark, right there on the Baltic Sea, and uh, just a just a great family owned company. And um, you know, it, it, it's one of those things. I just continue to smoke their products, and I was like, man, we got to throw them some love. They uh, they they do a great job. And so um, anyway, Mac Baron Tobacco, we're um, you know proud to talk about them today. That's good, man. And actually, this is uh, in the future. We might need to do a, like a top three Mac Baron tobaccos at some point down the line. Or yeah, that's or a good that's a good that call. Nature. Yeah, it's interesting. Whenever we talk about companies like this that have such a rich history, I mean, you can really track the uh, the flavors of the day, the tastes of the day, rather. Yeah. Um, based on kind of what was being produced when and that sort of thing. And so, mm-hmm. you know, having a having a company like Mac Baron that's been around um, and and been a stable in the industry. Uh, yeah, man, just uh, happy for it and happy that, you know, there's a, uh, how do I say this? Like a strong relationship there with, That's right. like if you go to any pipe show, if you go to like the big major pipe shows, you're going to see Matt, you know, Sutliff Mac Baron, they're going to have like the biggest, <laughs> yeah, one of the biggest like presences and everything. Uh, and, and just always there for, uh, for, for the community and everything. So anyway, great, great company. Uh, look for the gold lions. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hey, you know, speaking of great companies that always have a a strong presence at, uh, at pipe shows and also just a great love for the community. I want to talk a minute about our friends at Missouri Meerschaum. That's exactly right, man. And they have, uh, obviously just as we talk about every week, a great lineup of pipes, uh, another company that has been incredibly innovative, uh, although sticking true to, um, you know, the premium pipe smoker and, uh, and the pipe smoking community uh, abroad. Um, just a, just an awesome company. And today we're talking about the Huck Finn corn cob pipe. It's one of my oh, personal yeah. favorites. Uh, it's the Huck American Finn, classic. It is a classic, man. It's a, it's a small frame uh, billiard style pipe. The, uh, the bowl is kind of a barrel shape. Uh, again, a small frame pipe. This comes with a black or an amber stem. Uh, this is one of their filterless pipes. And so some, some folks that smoke a cob, they're like, well, you know, I don't really prefer the filter and uh, this might be a good option for you. Uh, the smaller bowl of the Huck Finn, it, it's very, very lightweight. And so it makes a great fishing pipe, um, you know, something, a, a nice smoke break pipe. This is a vest pocket uh, kind of pipe. Um, it's a lo- it's, it is a little bit of a longer pipe, but the smallest bowl on this pipe is a really nice, um, you know, is kind of snack break, smoke break pipe, uh, and also gives you, the, you know, the opportunity to have a, maybe your new favorite tasting pipe, uh, one of those that, mm-hmm. um, you know, gives you the opportunity to just smoke, uh, you know, a few leaves of this and that and try and see if you, uh, if you like your new uh, maybe favorite Mac Baron blend or uh, Sutliff or, or some other blend. So it's part of their Hannibal collection of pipe series, uh, which includes includes the much larger uh, Mark Twain corncob pipe and the nose warmer style Tom Sawyer pipe as well. It retails for only five seventy nine, uh, and again, just a, a really handsome pipe. And you can get that at corncobpipe.com or from your favorite uh, favorite pipe tobacconist and, and retailer. Yeah, and by the way, if you've got a Huck Finn, be sure to smoke it this week. Take us a picture, a selfie of yourself doing so. Uh, we'd love to retweet those out to let the good folks at Missouri Mearsham know we appreciate them for sponsoring this show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pipe Question of the Week. Pipe question of the week uh, is uh, is appropriate, man. This is a uh, this is a yeah. filtered pipe question. I okay. guess this is a filtered versus a filtered list, but still, yeah, this okay. is coming in from Greg C. My name is Greg Camp Odagili. Uh, in parentheses, he says, I don't expect Bo to try the last name, but I did anyway, Cap. <laughs> I did anyway. <laughs> he says, I've got a question about cleaning a filtered pipe post-smoke. I know that if you have a filterless pipe, it's best to run a pipe cleaner all the way through to the bowl after the smoke to keep things clean. I have a Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, both with a filter. Uh, and the or I have two rather Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipes, both with a filter. After the smoke, it's obviously not possible to run a pipe cleaner through the pipe all the way to the bowl. So, question is, what is your method for a quick post-smoke cleaning of a filtered pipe? Do you do nothing? Do you wait until the pipe is cool, take it all apart, and then run the pipe cleaner through it? I want to do some some sort of regular cleaning post-smoke, and would be curious on how you go about it. Thank you to Bo and JD. Yeah, great, great question, Greg. You know, how do you clean uh, a filtered pipe, and specifically a um, you know a Missouri Meerschaum pipe? Like uh, me, someone that is religious about you know cleaning their pipes right after you complete your smoke. Um, you know, it's one of those things. I, I like to you know uh, you know get it get it taken care of quick. You know, get that stuff out of there. And so um, there are some best practices for cleaning any uh, any filtered pipe. You know, right after you smoke. What I what I tend to do uh, with my Missouri Meerschaums that have uh, you know, filters in them. Um, I will take, uh, as we've discussed before on the show, I'll take our pipe cleaner, kind of turn it into the little U shape, uh, shove it down in the bowl, and then, uh, you know, kind of swab out the inside of the bowl. Um, and, and get that real, real clean. I continue to do that, uh, for the most part until the, um, you know, the pipe cleaner doesn't come out as dark. And then with, again, we're not taking our pipe apart because we don't want it to get loose. Uh, you want to let your pipe cool down first before you take it apart. So then what I do is I, I actually run the pipe cleaner, uh, from the button, from the end of the mouthpiece, all the way up to the uh, to the filter there and at least just get the moisture out of that section of the stem. And so, you know, basically what I've done is I've cleaned the bowl and I've cleaned half the stem. Uh, but what I have not been able to clean is that part between the filter and the um, and the bowl that's right there. Now, what some people do, that's good enough for some people. What they'll do is they'll they'll leave it at that, right? It's like, okay, well, that's good. I cleaned my pipe. Um, you know, the filter's in there to collect the moisture, and so uh, that's probably good enough. Now I'm going to, um, you know, just put it up, and I'll wait until the next time I smoke it. All right, what I do, you know, again, the, the guy that, uh, you know, feels bad because I have to shame people for not cleaning their pipe enough. <laughs> um, you know, I, what I do is I, I let the pipe cool down. I let it sit for a bit, um, you know, and not long, maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, something like that. And then I gently twist the pipe apart. Uh, you don't want to yank it out. You just twist it side to side uh, while slowly pulling it apart, just giving it a little uh, a little pressure there. Uh, pull it out, and then that's when I clean. I take the filter out and actually will clean that other section in there that I wasn't able to get to before. Um, and I will actually, I personally, I actually take the filter out of the pipe, even out of the stem, um, and, and clean all around where it was as well. Uh, if you do that, you're going to get more uh, lifespan out of the filter uh, as well. It won't taste quite as ashy tasting uh, as quickly as it mm. might otherwise. Um, mm. And it'll just, you know, preserve the integrity of that, um, you know, if it's a Missouri Meerschaum, that hardwood stem that they've got stuck in the end of the corn cob bowl, um, 
you know, and if it's a briar, it'll kind of preserve the the integrity of that briar shank that's there as well. And so, um, to me, that's that's what I tend to do. Is that overkill? It might be for some people, but um, so again, in in recap, uh, you know, best practices when you're done smoking your pipe, uh, swab the bowl out with a pipe cleaner, clean the end of the stem that's closest uh, to your mouth, between your mouth and the uh, and the filter, um, and then after the pipe's cooled down, take it apart. Uh, take the filter out and then gently clean up in there too. That's that's what I personally do. If you want to leave that last part out, that's a that's a personal preference thing. But um, anyway, there you go. Well, there you go. All right. Well, great uh, great uh, pipe question from Greg, and uh, thank you so much for that. Hey, if you've got a pipe question of the week, be sure to send it in uh, to show at countrysquireradio.com. Even if your name is one you know, I will butcher. Uh, thanks for the <laughs> abbreviation cap. Appreciate that, brother. <laughs> Quick fire with the squire. Quick fire question. Ow! All right, man. Okay, so this is kind of interesting because uh, I had this, and I yeah. can't remember if if this these quick fire questions may appear again on a future episode with someone other than you. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> well, in in prep, I mean, people know this. In preparation for uh, your your forthcoming edition, uh, we're we're doing kind of some pre work to make sure that uh, you know we, we got yeah. you covered so that you can yeah, take. Yeah, uh, gonna some, give me a little time off. It'd be nice. Yeah, get that paternity time. We got to get you get you set up. And so that's <laughs> the thing. Uh, as a result, some of the show notes may have gotten shuffled, and so someone else may be answering these questions <laughs> in the future, or not. I'm not sure at this point, but that's okay. Uh, and it also kind of shows you where my head's at, given what we discussed earlier. No, that's good. I, I like it. I, you know, actually taking a quick look over the questions, I, 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 this is exciting. All right. Here's the, the theme is classic film, and I put these together, and are you ready, sir? Yes. Okay. Western or noir? <laughs> Okay, Do you like I'm the way go I said with, that. <laughs> I, I, I love this. I'm a, I'm going to go with western. I, you know, yeah. I mean, classic American western. You know, I, I um, yeah, I, I'm going to go that route. I've been watching a lot of westerns lately, uh, and it's it, you know, I've actually been going through the the Man with No Name uh, a series or the um, what are they the, the Dollar franchise. Yeah, uh, or in uh, man, just just classic stuff. I mean, it's one of these things. <laughs> what was what was I watching? I guess it was uh, it was a comedian recently uh, made a, a crack at Jimmy Stewart and uh, his, his his terrible acting ability. I was like, you can't make fun of Jimmy Stewart and his terrible acting. Well, I guess they were all pretty bad back then. Weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> and so there is a as an extreme campiness to most westerns, but that's part of what makes them so like great. Yeah. Um, but the thing is. I think when it comes to, because I, I look at this through the, the narrative of like campy, and I think the noir, I like the camp of the noir because it, it's it's a little bit more earnest, right? Okay. Like in, in, in Casablanca, there's just such a there's such an earnesty. What's going on, darling? You know, uh, if you don't get on that plane, then everything's going to go crazy. You're going to end up in a concentration <laughs> camp. And, you know, like there's just a, an intensity to the, to the noir uh, <laughs> camp versus the Western, which... I always feel like there's for for many of those classic Western films, they're kind of winking at it. So okay. I'm gonna go noir. Okay. That was way too long of an explanation. <laughs> I'm gonna go noir. Uh, all right, and so sci- the next one, sci-fi. Do you prefer your sci-fi campy or do you prefer it serious? Serious. And I this is probably the one genre within film or certainly fiction that I can kind of hold my weight, you know, with a little bit. But um, man, I'm I love serious sci-fi. I really do. Like I, I'm one of those people that like. You know the um, the real hard sci-fi, like even the stuff where you know the military sci-fi. It's going into you know um, Avatar you know, space battles and all that kind of stuff. I eat that sure. stuff up, man. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with serious. Yeah, Campy has a place, right? I mean, uh, I, I you know I can enjoy that occasionally, but I'm gonna go with serious sci-fi. Interesting. Uh, yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a big Star Wars fan. Um, you know, I know that that's kind of a uh, sci-fi slash fantasy genre and you know that's actually i probably should have thrown that in here as well i mean because let me ask you you're a big cthulhu uh series uh lovecraft yeah, H- hp lovecraft like kind of uh-huh yeah would you consider that sci-fi or would you consider that fantasy or nor or all of the above i would consider it more horror i think okay um, all right yeah like a like a early or like a like horror yeah i think uh, you know it with maybe elements of science fiction there um, yeah, I, I would probably put it in that camp more. Have you seen the, the Carnival Row promotional stuff? No. Uh-uh. It's like a new thing from Amazon. Uh, they're trying to, to kind of come in. Everybody's trying to come up with their like Game of Thrones follow-up. Like, all right, well, you're no longer watching Game <laughs> of Thrones, so here's the... It's got like a, it's, it's like a Game of Thrones-esque take on fairy tales, I suppose, but set in kind of like a 
uh, what do you call it? Steampunk esque London type of town. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of like the bad thing, the monster, the horrific monster has a lot right. of, you know, o- octopus tentacle Cthulhu looking things. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> thought of you when I watched it. It's it's the the series is not great, but the world it, it creates is pretty pretty interesting. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah. all right, and then finally, horror or romance? And again, this is kind of classic film horror or romance yeah yeah i'm gonna go with horror i you know i I don't i'm not the biggest you know modern uh horror fan i guess but i you know i don't know i think i've it's got a um i think i I prefer it over romance certainly (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i think both if you're talking about classic you know classic films i think both are great but yeah i mean i hate modern horror like i'm just not that guy uh no offense like you know whatever people like is great but but you know, you talk about like some like that classic uh, Wolfman or the classic Frankenstein or, or you know something of that nature. Yeah, That's, yeah, it's great. It's great. <laughs> but the new stuff is just the worst. Like, let's find new ways to torture you psychologically. I well, but at the same time, like, look at my, you know we're talking about modern horror versus modern romance. I mean, modern romance is just as bad, if not worse. So. Uh, it's, but see, that's the thing. Modern romance is just yep. the exact same plot line, you know, again and again and again. And up until he became the Hulk, they all starred Mark Ruffalo. Every single romance <laughs> film. Or, or Meg Mark Ryan. Ruffalo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then they all had that we got the dreamers disease don't give up you know like every trailer for every romance song oh, in the early dude. 2000s late 90s had that oh dude I, i'm sure they you all had that mark, song and mark ruffalo i'm sure you could mark the exact fall of of american horror and romance with the exact uh time that pipe smoking began to not become as uh, as popular right. so i'm not sure there's, <laughs> you know there's what? got there to be, be a connection there, there. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Yeah, we we might have to uh, go do a graph. <laughs> yeah, some kind of some kind of uh, it, you know, um, what do they call infographic on that? Yeah, we'll we'll yeah. work on that. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, there you go. This is a quick fire question. It's brought to you by uh, some Country Squire Radio shirts. We still got some of the uh, the this is not a podcast shirts available at the countrysquireonline dot com. If you've not done so already, head over to the countrysquireonline dot com. Hey, pick yourself up some pipe tobacco while you're there, but also get an amazing Country Squire Radio shirt. Show your love at your next pipe uh, meeting or outing or just in general you go into class you going to work you, you doing the yard you just need a shirt well that's what you should do the countrysquireonline.com get the this is not a podcast shirt and uh yeah help support the show your thoughts your comments listener feedback all right, man, listener feedback. We've got uh, straight listener feedback. I, you know, for time's sake, man, I think I'm just going to throw it straight to the iTunes review that's coming in yeah. from Izzy Perpy 2003. What did Izzy have to say? Izzy Perpy 2003, fun and informative. These guys are fantastic to listen to, very informative on pipes and tobacco. Quick fire questions is fun, is a fun segment, and the chemistry between Bo, JD and Bo uh, makes this podcast a must listen. Uh, man, really kind, Izzy. Thank you so much. And uh, those iTunes reviews help us a bunch. Obviously, we, uh, you know, we are on a bunch of different podcast players, but those iTunes reviews uh, help us uh, help us quite a bit. So we really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. If you've not done so already, head over to iTunes, write us a review. It's a great way to support the show without spending any dollars or cents. But hey, if you've got some dollars or cents to help support the show, head over to patreon.com slash Radio, where you can become a international Pipe Club member. We would love your support. Uh, even those of you who just want to become patrons, support us for a buck an episode. It goes a long way and gets you access to our entire archive of uh, backlog, 100 episodes, I think, of uh, Country Squire Radio. Actually, more than that available to you if you're are a, uh, a patron or a patron exclusive uh, supporter. So find that at patreon.com slash country squire radio. You can also keep up with us throughout the week. Get on the baby watch by following John David Cole. <laughs> How can they follow you? Uh, I'm at John David Cole. <laughs> and of course you can follow the shop at underscore country squire. You can follow the show at squire radio or me at the real Bo York did everything all mismatched because why not? That's how we're doing it here. But you can find all that and more at country squire radio.com. There you go. Dude, that's great. You nailed it. You, you nailed it. It's, it's good to mix it up occasionally. Yeah. Dude, that's fun. As I'm long glad as you we stick to the landing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, glad we, uh, glad we got to chat about, man, one of my favorite tobacco companies. And, um, yeah, just so many good, good blends there. And, um, and really, really thankful as always to, to get to hang out with my buddy, uh, each week. So, um, yeah, I'm man. glad your daughter remembers me. <laughs> <laughs> they do, man. Absolutely. Look, and I, you know, I, I still, I'm putting, I'm putting it down. I think you're back next week. I think you're probably not after that. That's my yeah. guess. That's, I think, that's that, how I think you're probably right. Yeah. I think you're, I well, think you're probably right. 
We'll see. We'll find out for sure. But uh, anyway, man, let's go have a day. See you, brother. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.